The future of business is responsible. El futuro de los negocios es reescribir el crecimiento de las empresas. Conscious commingling of growth and impact. Le futur du business est conscient et responsable. The future of business is intentional and transparent. De toekomst van bedrijven zal de combinatie van kennis, creativiteit. Hi folks, welcome to the Future of Business podcast, where we take you on a journey to explore the diverse range of sectors and stories embedded in the Oxford MBA cohort and beyond, and how they will shape the future of business. This is Lakshmi, and I will be hosting our conversation today with Dharani Vedratnam. And I just got her name wrong. <laughs> It's not too bad. I pronounce it the French way, which is Dharani Vedratnam. But the name is originally from Tamil, which is your mother tongue. So I'm incapable of pronouncing it the Tamil way. So you did a pretty good job. That is. That is a lucky coincidence, uh, but to be fair, that is also very, very representative of who Darini is and how many layers she comes in with, like in, in terms of her personal life, in terms of her professional life. So personally, uh, she is French. Uh, she was born in the Caribbean, is that right? Yes, in Guadeloupe. Nice. And she moved. Uh, she moved to Canada when you were eighteen. Yes, to study, and then I never left until Oxford. That's brilliant. So she's also of Indian origin, and I think you were brought up in South America. Yes, French Guiana. It's a French territory between Suriname and Brazil. Yeah, like so many, like just just so many cultures that come together in her. Very very beautiful, very complex, but also very nuanced. That's what I think. Uh, also, in every conversation, I noticed that she understands different cultures. Like oh, we went to Abidjan recently, where she was able to fit in like just right in because she's been brought up in so many different cultures. She's able to adapt to different cultures. She just has that agility, that openness to embrace different people from different cultures. And that also helps her in her profession uh, because she defines herself as the person who builds global networks to influence systemic change. And I have to agree uh, that while that is very, very big and arduous, it is also the best description of what she does and her, uh, and her work so far, which we will talk about through the episode but i mean i also think i, I just want to like ask right off the bat that is a very arduous task so uh, i mean just what do you think are key levers to the systemic change that you're talking about here or if i were to rephrase that like what keeps you up at night um so well first thank you for having me i'm very happy to be here um so i guess what keeps me up at night is how to empower the marginalized so how can we shift the paradigm by leveraging their strengths and coloring outside the lines. And I think a fascinating way to do so is to consider cities, how they impact their people, their businesses, their institutions, um, and their regional or even national outreach. So think about it, where are you from? Your influence and access to opportunities will not be the same if you come from an alpha city like New York or London, as if you were based in, let's say, an alpha minus, beta, or smaller city with lesser connectivity. So I believe changing dynamics between cities is a very interesting lever for system change. That is very, very interesting. Actually, uh, just right off the bat, I want to ask, what are alpha minus cities like? Can you give me an example? Oh, yeah. For example, alpha alpha minus city would be Montreal, <laughs> typically. Okay. There's a classification made uh, of cities. It's like uh, made by Globalization and World Cities Research Network, so called the GOC, uh, G-A-W-C. So it's all about you have alpha cities, alpha minus, beta, gamma, uh, and sufficiency cities. We have high sufficiency. Like, so, so it's all about... Uh, the connectivity of the city and the international reach. I mean, that is, in a way, a lot more structured than I thought this domain was, but also in a way really sad because I actually come from this really tiny city. I mean, not tiny, it's actually big in terms of area, but I think 
it's it's madurai in tamil nadu uh, in india you know of uh, madurai but i i think it's like it would be considered like i don't know bida gama be really low like if a city like mine were you know wanted like a better labeling what am i supposed to do can i do something so, so yes that well, well not you personally but the city can do something so so a good way to do so would be to rely on chambers of commerce whose mandate is to work on the city outreach or economic promotion agencies who target city attractivity so if we take for example the um, the example of montreal uh, it's an alpha minus city um and their economic promotion agency for which i worked for a couple of years as full core activities So the first one would be attracting investment that is getting companies to open a branch in Montreal let's say Amazon wants to get a branch in Canada so Montreal is going to bid on it for example or you can go to other cities in the world and say hey come to us we're we're a very fine city uh in the same way second pillar would be attracting international organizations so wanting them to come and have their headquarters established in Montreal and make the city a strong hub for international relations Uh, the third one which is the one i worked on uh is talent attraction so it means getting experienced workers to sustain economic development locally and the fourth pillar that's more of a satellite branch that would be economic studies so it's all about creating tools to support why montreal is a city businesses international organizations and talents who want to come that is that is just so intricate and so interesting and uh, it's funny that you worked in talent attraction because uh, prior to coming to the mba i used to work on the selection team at teacher india and we also used to work at some kind of talent attraction i want to say but more importantly i think what london is doing right now is a lot of talent attraction like we have to do your visa to stay after our mba and there's also this uh, new system that's come into place where uh, graduates from the past 5 uh, years from the top universities in the world are welcome to london even if they don't have a job so I think all of these do fall in the talent attraction the way you describe it is that fair it, it does it does it's one of the so we have the same thing in Montreal I was initially a student in Canada in Montreal and I I was able to stay up to 3 years after it so it gives you more than enough time to do a permanent residence and then to become a citizen so it's all about and especially in the case of Quebec we want french speakers I'm a french speaker I was educated there locally so it's all uh in Quebec's interest to keep talent like like me but in the case of what i was specifically talking about is about let's say you have a strong it industry or a strong aerospace industry in montreal and you want a director of aerospace who has 15 years of experience there's not going to be that many around <laughs> the streets of montreal so you may have to go unless you like steal it from your competitor you can expand the pool of recruitment so you could let's say go to brussels to paris or other francophone areas to find a director who's going to come um and fill fill the shoes <laughs> and the role that you need that is that is really cool because i think there's a, a few years before i used to be really naive and i used to question like while i want to immigrate and i want to like you know live a, a global life and like understand what does the host city have to gain from you know me immigrating used to be like a very naive question that i had in my head but i remember taking this course and course about just how immigration is good for the host and uh, you know the other cities and so that is really interesting how you put it cool, and yeah. it's one of the way those structures like the chambers of commerce and the promotion agencies it's how they try to move Montreal from an alpha minus to an alpha or as close as it can get to an alpha but basically your talent so you're a resource for the city so you're valued and that's one of the ways you can actually move uh, across the spectrum that is amazing um i do have a lot of questions and we're going to go one by one <laughs> go for it 
I think I think what you said really like stuck to me, right? Like what can Montreal do to go from alpha minus to alpha? But I'm also thinking that is a Montreal thing, right? Like back to my example of Madre, like would Madre have the resources to say, hey, Amazon, come here? Like, you know, would we have the kind of resources? Like what would a city that doesn't have the resources that Man- Montreal has uh, do to like get to that position? Well, yeah, that's exactly the core of the topic. Uh, so, so what do you do when your city development stage is not mature enough to get well-established structures in place like what Montreal has? Um, so, well, my take is that you can still turn your identity into valuable assets. Like take Oxford, for example, rather than relying on its agencies, its reach is almost exclusively tied to the university. And if we take less extreme cases, like like take Madurai, like that city that you're from, uh, its outreach could, for example, be through the Minakshi Temple. And if Montreal did not have agencies, maybe the Cirque du Soleil, like the circus that's very famous in Montreal, would be a great strength to capitalize on. So other ways to increase like a city's international outreach would be maybe to partner up uh, with powerful neighbors or like, with regional or national governments, or even maybe with the closest UNAB or like any sort of international organization or business who's covering your region. So anything that can give you more outreach. So so look within and it's it's, it's going to work well. That is that is that is really interesting. I think, uh, you know, you're right. You're right. Actually, Madre is popular for the Minakshi Temple and we could be doing that. But I'm also like, you know, uh, I'm this person like, uh, of course, all of us are in business school. We're trying to like, you know, uh, think about branding and like how do you create these power clusters and things like that? Like how do you improve your own uh, branding, your positioning? And I would love for Madre to improve its positioning. But on the other hand, I'm also this communist, right? I'm also like this person who believes that actually decentralization is a solution to everything. So I'm also like always wondering, should Madre even have the power? that it already has because at the end of the day it's just at the center of like a lot of villages should the villages get all the power back like you know especially with covid and all we're seeing like people move back from village cities to like villages that's been a very interesting trend uh especially in india where like there's so much you know population in the cities so i'm thinking should we actually go the opposite way and say no no to cities yeah that's a very good question because the, the, this whole covid thing it's been a disruption uh for cities that very few could have predicted uh, and but to be honest, like given how recent like this all is, like it can go either way. Either the trend is gonna like increase and it's gonna be like okay, we all dismantle cities, or it's just gonna fizzle out. And to be honest, I really believe like cities are not going anywhere. Um, I think the clusters they hold power, uh, and I think we're stronger when we come together. And cities definitely bring a concentration of actors that influence their respective sectors. Uh, So I really think cities as we know them have a really bright future still. That is fair. That is fair. But also, I'm like thinking like beyond the trends, right? Like, um, what you're saying is a very realistic take. But I'm gonna push a little bit, like, from an idealistic end to say, should that is that how it should be? Like, you know, uh, from a very responsible capitalist position, like, isn't it better for us to not have cities? Isn't it better from a pollution uh, standpoint, from a population standpoint, from a resource utilization standpoint, if we didn't have cities? Like, you know, if it was more like equally spread out, uh, if people could work from home, if like, you know, uh, people could be with families if people could live in like big houses and like kids could like run around don't you think that would be good like there's good things in anything but the power of a city lies in its community so it's, it's bringing actors together so if everybody's working in silos from the from the luxury of their own homes and they're not definitely uh interacting as much as like cities like see cities as a platform to bring people together and people just like shutting themselves in their home okay great you have a better work-life balance, but things are not like ideas are not being exchanged uh, or challenged even. So I think cities is definitely a platform to do so. So it would be a shame to, to steer away from them. 
I'm loving where this debate is going, but I'm going to push you one last time there. Go for it. Yeah. So there's these like, you know, there is the cost that you're paying to it, right? Like there's pollution cost. I'm going to stick on pollution because climate change is like a thing. And like, you know, there's been a lot of research on how COVID has actually helped with people going back and like with. So do you think that it's worth the cost? No, that, that what you're saying is very true. Like uh, the like cities have an impact when it comes to pollution and so on. But I don't think dismantling cities is the answer either. I think quite the opposite, actually. I think the, the whole conversation about climate and how it's very present today, uh, more than it ever was, uh, it's an opportunity for cities to reinvent themselves. Uh, like in today's world, uh, cities will, get the, will actually get the importance of tackling climate-related issues and act on it. They will be able to use it as a competitive advantage uh, in comparison to other cities. So, for example, I'm thinking about like Cochin in Southwest India in Kerala, uh, whose airport is entirely solar powered and it's the first in the world to do so. Uh, and they're like Cochin is gaining international recognition for it. So that's another way to get outreach. So it, it's a it's a lever for system change, like being able to reinvent yourself and to actually tackle um, the needs of today's world. Um, another example that comes to mind right now is uh, how Amsterdam embraced donut economics as a tool for transform transformative action during the pandemic. And I, I really think cities can be pioneers of inno innovation on issues where national governments sometimes just stall. Yeah, yeah, no, that's lovely. And I'm, I'm also like, you know, uh, I think it's because the year is coming to a close and like we're also starting to realize and reflect on the year that's been very grateful for the year that we've had had here because you just spoke about donut economics and we have this elective called uh, Regenerative and Circular Economy where actually we had one of the co-founders of donut economics come and talk to us about like how Amsterdam has, uh, you know, actually adopted it. And uh, another thing that comes to mind about cities is like, recently I was reading about Tallinn and the reason that I was reading about this smart capital of a digital nation Estonia is because Creative Destruction Lab, uh, which is one of our, uh, you know, uh, extracurricular, co-curricular tracks here, uh, they're going to start a new branch in Estonia. Uh, and it was very interesting to just read about the innovation in Estonia. And it's, it's exciting what you talk about, like, you know, how cities can actually reinvent themselves because there's so many, every problem can also be seen as an opportunity to reinvent, like you said. And it's beautiful, like you can reinvent from a sustainability perspective, you can reinvent from a technology perspective that makes sense. And uh, actually, for people who are interested, you should totally uh, go on Deal's website, Donut Economics Action Lab's website, read about Amsterdam, uh, how they've embraced donut economics, uh, like Dharani yeah. mentioned. And you can also go on Creative Destruction Lab, especially if you're part of the incoming cohort. Definitely keep an eye out for like their announcements about Estonia. And the third thing is we also have a podcast, actually, in April 2019, about the future of workspaces, connected devices, and smart cities. So this, uh, this is also something that I really love about this topic because it's so vast. Like you can attack it from a smart cities perspective, from a sustainable cities perspective, from a oh, community-led cities perspective. And I know given Dharani's expertise, we're discussing today a lot about just, you know, uh, how do you empower cities? Uh, but there's also so much, so many layers to it. And this is so exciting. And, uh, you know, just to know, uh, tell you about a little bit about myself, uh, uh, like I get very, very nervous when I get so riled up about something because I'm like, oh my God, there's got to be a bias. There's got to be a blind spot in how I'm thinking. So I try really hard to be a devil's advocate. 
and so my last challenge to you darni and this is like uh, you know very specific uh, especially again uh, there is a lot of research that's going on right now into regional leveling up here uh, professor colin mayor is re- uh, leading that research at oxford uh, and uh, they talk about like you know can we move away from london like is london like hogging on a lot of investments that come into the uk should we be focusing on like birmingham for instance because it's also like a very popular city so do you think like a montreal or a madurai or a cochin or an amsterdam like getting so much attraction getting uh, so much attention sorry uh, is like you know taking away from uh, you know what other cities in that region could be doing no not really uh, because a mega city like london will not compete with cities like manchester or birmingham they would rather compete with other european hubs like paris Um, so on the contrary, to address your point, I think London's vast outreach will benefit other UK cities and regions because they can gain positive ripple effects from London. So this is what I meant earlier when I meant partnering up with more powerful neighbors. So for example, if we go back to Quebec, uh, when Montreal was holding those in- and is still holding today these international recruitment missions. We have three other cities of Quebec, uh, Sherbrooke, Drummondville, and Quebec City, uh, that are joining the initiative. So without Montreal, these three smaller cities wouldn't have the international reach that they have by tagging along with the bigger economic hub of the region. So I think a bigger hub close to you is actually a huge asset because you're going to benefit from it. Okay. Okay, that is fair. Um I mean I I I also have to acknowledge like even before we got into this topic even when we just started talking about like cities you did hint at regional collaboration. So I can see that you believe in it even in the work that you've done and like you know uh, in the way that you express yourself. So I agree that there is a win-win that's possible here. Um for sure, for sure. Uh, but also like I'm also wondering like regional collaboration like you said also means that you know London should be collaborating and technically London is not competing with Birmingham but it's competing with like Paris for instance. uh so i'm i'm also curious uh, to hear your take on like you know especially with this uh, brexit and everything that's going on yeah. uh do you think london will retain its power do you think like for instance a paris or some of the european city would like overtake london oh, no i don't think london is going anywhere no uh no its capability reputation is very sticky uh london is a competent city it's a big financial hub uh so no not just any city can pretend tomorrow to rival london uh you're not going to become a european financial hub overnight Uh so in other regions though it's interesting to see two hubs emerge close to each other like if we take for example the um, the case of thriving cities like Dubai and Abu Dhabi they're in the same country but they're two like very thriving hubs uh but in Europe Europe is the old continent so where cities like let's say their life cycle is definitely not at the same stage uh the dynamics are pretty much established so you never know <laughs> what might happen uh but i really find it unlikely that london would get replaced uh no that that echoes uh, our previous point that cities may sometimes like have more influence than national governments so brexit does their like their brexit happened but london doesn't have to follow that so it's different dynamics which is actually quite interesting in that topic fair fair but also like final question right like about cities and everything um if if there was a european hub to come up like you know beyond london um which do you think would be that uh, hub um uh, that's like one part of my question i'm also really curious as a european city uh, citizen yourself which is your favorite european city oh oh well my favorite european city no like my favorite city is montreal like no competition uh i granted that's not in europe uh to come back to the okay first part of the question was the hub It is difficult to say because it depends on the sector. So Paris is one, but Paris uh, is not anglophone and like English is like London has really English for it, so it attracts talent from everywhere because 
Um, a lot of people speak English. Uh, but that being said, you have Geneva for international relations. You have uh, Amsterdam. You have uh, Frankfurt. You have Munich. You have Barcelona. So you have all those hubs, and it's it's very challenging to say I'm not gonna gamble on that one. <laughs> this is gonna I'm gonna stay politically correct on that one because uh, each city goes uh, through their own journey. Um, and their politics and their economics, so the challenges are very uh, different. So, so who knows what's going to happen? But so far, I don't think um, the dynamics are going to change as fast as they are in emerging economies. Uh, so, so definitely, f I'm not going to pronounce myself on that one. Uh, when it comes to favorite city, I'm definitely going to come back to Montreal, not because it's I know it's not in Europe, but it has very strong European vibes, European practices. But what I really like about that city, to be honest. There's a reason why I decided to settle there as an adult uh, and to start my adult life there. Uh, it's because there's a sense of um, acceptance. It's, it has this small welcoming feel and it's, it's to a level that I've never seen like anywhere else. Uh, Montreal let people, lets people be who they are uh, no matter their backgrounds, their lifestyles, their choices. And like for this, I think Montreal is my favorite city because it's a city where it's easy for anyone to feel at home. Okay. Uh, but I have to admit, like our Canadian classmates, including Darni, um, I like some of the sweetest people that I've met and it has increased my desire to visit Canada and yes. Montreal <laughs> and uh, Darni has some brilliant pictures uh, of uh, maybe you should blog like Darni is a very active blogger <laughs> and she's very active on LinkedIn she's one of our most active and authentic uh, ambassadors of the MBA uh, maybe you should do a post on like Montreal in your life there oh I love Montreal so much I could be <laughs> an ambassador forever festival season is upon us so I'm sure like a lot of people know about Just for Laughs uh, we like laughter we like uh, have to have fun. Quebec is a, is a joie de vivre uh, that everybody should uh, benefit from. Absolutely. Uh, I think what I also really like about the MBA is that, you know, you can just do these uh, little conversations and you can like really learn about something. Like for instance, today, I feel like I've really learned about Canada, uh, though I sat down to learn about the future of cities, which also I feel like I've learned about. Uh, I think this is also one of your posts, right, Dani, like about just the things that you've learned through like uh, the, the global opportunities and threats uh, that uh, uh, that we do and like you know things like that you've just learned different industries uh, so can I also ask you like just to end on a really light note uh, I mean of course we did end on a slightly light note already but to like probably end on a lighter note also acknowledging that this might be uh, you know uh, well, uh, beginning of some of the last episodes of this year what has been like your biggest learning from this year what has been the biggest highlight of this year for you oh gosh so many that's uh, uh let me think Oh, I think MBAT. Uh, okay. So we all went to Paris for like Paris, almost Paris. Uh, we all went for this uh, sporting competition. And I think the sense of community was there. We were all there supporting each other. We are a big court. We're 355 students. So sometimes it's not easy to speak with everybody in a one-year program. Yet it didn't prevent us from cheering people we barely knew uh, because they were part of our community. So I think it really brought the community together very nicely. Um, and the, the power of cheering each other, I think, is uh, beyond anything uh, worth mentioning. I think it's 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 definitely the, the culture of collaboration and the community that is uh, Oxford. Side business school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think with that we come to the end of this episode. And uh, just to just to definitely also re, uh, uh, restate this, not just that we had the public community, we also won the MBA tournament for the fourth time. Uh, so that was yes. amazing. <laughs> uh, so congratulations, everyone, on the uh, victory there. And I think I'm, I'm, I am curious after this to like just go back and see like what are efforts that different European cities are taking, like different cities across the world, including Indian cities, are taking to like you know uh, reach the kind of like status that you were talking about and actually Oxford 
Oxford is doing something because they should be. It's such a beautiful city. It's so gorgeous, especially now in the spring and the summer. Um, and I know you recently got a sit at the high table at St. Cath- College, so that's amazing. Uh, but yeah, with that, we are going to come to a close of this episode. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Like I said, do follow uh, Dharani on um, LinkedIn and also uh, do follow her blogs on uh, SBS Blogs. And if you haven't already followed us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts, do find us, follow us. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, Bye. Bye.